Hey, everybody. How are y'all doing tonight? It's good to, yeah, it's good to be with you. Hey, Kaylee. What's up? Hey, it's good to be with you tonight. Um, thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming out. My name is Jonathan. I'm the, uh, the campus pastor with Reformed University Fellowship. Um, so, uh, yeah, I am, uh, I am the, I guess the man. I don't know. Whatever. It's good to see you tonight. I hope you've all had a, a, good, a good week. I know that I'm, uh, I'm getting to that point in the semester where I'm longing for spring break and also anticipating there is no spring break. So uh, I'm with you in the trenches on that one. Uh, like Jess said, I'm up here to say weird things. So what did she say? Freaky things? So strap in. I don't know. Um, anyways, real quick, I'll just plug again. We will be doing a, sex, uh, a seminar on gender and sexuality. It's just going to be like a couple hours. Um, so we're not going to be able to cover every question that is such a hot debate in our, in our moments. But do keep in touch uh, on Instagram or on uh, Facebook or the other things. And uh, that's, yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting time. Um, so watch that. Also, we will be taking a trip to Carlsbad Caverns. Um, it'll be as COVID safe as we can make it. Good news is, is COVID numbers are dropping so quickly in our state and region um, for the sake of community and just doing anything. Uh, we thought it was uh, something that we could do. So if you're interested in that, keep in the loop. Uh, watch, watch the social medias, and we will, uh, we'll keep you in the loop on that. Um, so we are going to press on tonight with our study of the book of Acts. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you've, uh, you've been with us while we're studying the book of Acts. And Acts is this amazing book in the Bible, um, which explains uh, some really amazing stuff. And uh, it shows how powerful God is in comparison to all the opposition that Christians so consistently face. That over and over again, as Christians, uh, at least in the early church, have faced just overwhelming odds. Um, odds that you would look at and say, they cannot possibly survive this. Uh, the Holy Spirit, over and over, proves himself to be more than capable. And tonight we're going to see that again. We're going to see the Holy Spirit powering through distractions and uh, things that seek to get the church's attention away from Jesus. And uh, so we're going to look at that tonight. And I'll, I'll start with this. How, how many of y'all have had that crazy experience where you're talking with a friend about like a certain product and then you get onto your phone or your computer and that product pops up on a, like an ad and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> is Apple listening? Is Google listening? And we all know they are and it's terrifying and this is the world we live in. And it's terrifying. But uh, yeah, this advertisement gets your attention. And then it just seems to follow you everywhere you look on all your browsers. That thing just pops up and it gets your attention. And, uh, and so we just find ourselves like, how did this happen? It, ha it like just grabs your attention. And you're just like, it's amazing how it did that. Uh, I know that happens to me all the time. And uh, then there's other things where, you know, our phones or our computers... You know, they've done studies of our phones and our computers and found that they are made to get our attention. They are designed, like phones and computers and things, and, and the way they design TV shows, they are designed to grab a hold of us and hold our attention uh, so that we end up spending, you know, hours on, on them, video games. And I was joking with somebody today about Instagram Reels and just, like, how easy it is to just, like, where did the last hour or two hours of my life go? It's just gone. You know, I get sucked in. And, uh, and that's just Instagram. There's TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and radio and TV and streaming and, you know, all these things, all these things that are desperately getting our attention, trying to get our attention, get us to watch and listen and pay money. 
And what's amazing is this is nothing new. Like, yeah, iPhones are new at this. Uh, you know, Twitter is new at this. But this is actually a really old phenomenon. And the Bible actually talks about it. It's an amazing way. And it talks about this, these things that try to get our attention. And tonight we're going to look and see how the gospel um, actually powers through some, some pretty amazing attention-grabbing things, some things that are both tricking and uh, like supernatural things, that, and how the gospel shows us um, the most powerful things that for, for us to pay attention to. And, and it's a pretty amazing. So we're going to look at this in three parts. Uh, we're going to look at you know, how the gospel overpowers in our attention, uh, and, and it shows us first the amazing first attention, the second more amazing attention, and third, the gift of God. And so as we look at this text tonight, um, I encourage you to, to pay a close attention. And if you have questions, I say something that's weird or freaky, shoot me a text and we will dialogue with those questions after this. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 8. If you have a bulletin or a Bible, you can read along and, uh, and we'll, I'm going to read this. Okay, so this is God's word. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs he did. For unclean spirits, crying aloud in a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man has the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after, and after being baptized, he continued to be with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit had been given through the laying on, hand, laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, with the intent of your heart, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you say, have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let me pray for us. Lord, your word is... Uh, amazing. It can be confusing and disorienting to us, at this, uh, and yet also so applicable and present to where we are in our hearts and our lives. I pray that as we study it tonight, that you would uh, put your spirit into our minds and our hearts and our ears, and that we would be transformed more and more to like your son. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, so you can see, as, you know, if you just did a quick cursory reading, uh, there's a lot of attention grabbing going on here. And so I want us to take a look at what's going on in this and see what's going on in the text, and then we'll try and zoom out and look and see how it affects and applies to our lives. And so 
The first thing I want us to see here tonight is this first attention grabbing thing, the first thing that the, the first attention grabber. And so just a little bit of background, if you weren't here or you don't remember, just before all this happened, just before what we read tonight, um, we just looked at last week how there was a, the, one of the first early Christians um, had, through a series of events, been pretty brutally killed in front of, uh, by a, a pretty hostile crowd. And, uh, you know, because of his faith, he'd been executed. And that sparked off a giant persecution and a giant scattering of the Christians around the whole area. And so um, they're scattered. And as they're scattered for fear of their lives, they're going around preaching, right? They're telling people about the gospel, the good news of Christianity. And one of the places that they're scattered to is an area called Samaria, and Samaria, if you're not aware of it, is about 30 miles south of, where, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the same place it is now in the, in the, the Middle East, in Palestine. And uh, so one of these Christians named Philip is like, man, I'm out of here. And so he cuts town from Jerusalem and he goes to Samaria and he starts preaching, right? You can see this. Verse 5, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the gospel. And look, what's the result? As he's telling people about Jesus, he says in verse 6, the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. So that means that all of a sudden the people are looking at what Philip is saying and they're also seeing what Philip is doing, these amazing signs and miracles, and they're like, yeah, we're in. We're in for this. And so they believe the gospel. But then all of a sudden things start to get complicated, right? You can read in verse 9 that, uh, you know, there's some, as the narrative progresses, uh, some tension is, is brought into this. It says, verse 9, there's this man named Simon, and he had previously practiced magic in the city. And, uh, and what, you know, what do we mean? What does that word magic mean? What's that word? In, in the original language, the original language that this was written in is, is Greek. And that word for magic is, is sort of a, a, a catch-all term that basically means like a combination of sorcery, like black black magic sort of stuff, but also like sort of street tricks, charlatan street tricks, just sort of like sleight of hand, that kind of thing that fool people in the streets. Um, and so it's kind of both of those things at the same time. And so uh, whatever it is, he's been amazing to people. And the text tell us, tells us he's been doing this for quite some time. For a long time, he has been amazing people, so much so that look at verse 10, they paid attention to him. Everybody, the least of the people to the greatest of the people. And they were saying, hey, this guy is more than just a, a, you know, some dude. He actually, he, he is a somebody. So they're, they're attributing some sort of power to him. They say uh, that he has the power of God and he's called great. And then look what it says again in verse 12. It says the same thing. They paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed the people with his magic. So it's saying like this whole city is pretty enraptured by this guy. They're, they're caught up in whatever he's doing, either sorcery or, you know, charlatan tricks, whatever it is. They're, they're really amazed to it. He's, he's got them glued to them, and he's got a lot of power because of it, right? He's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of, people are thinking that there's something to him. Uh, he had an alluring and captivating ability to draw an audience in that they would want to watch him, that he could persuade them. He could make them come back for more. He could, I mean, effectively just make them keep swiping, right? Just keep them, keep them coming back for more. 
And so he could manipulate, you know, basically great emotional and social and spiritual power so that people were amazed at what he did. And so, you know, we think about, I, I was thinking, you know, as we think about how does that relate to our world today, um, we, we live in a world that's, that's frankly not much different from that, right? Um, in a world that's desperate attempts to use all kinds of means to get our attention. Uh, to amaze us, to suck us in. And that can be as subtle as like an Instagram feed that just kind of has you keep scrolling, keep swiping, or Instagram reels or something like that, TikTok, or it can be something like, uh, if you know, for the, the academics among us, like myself, uh, Twitter, you know, where, well, the Twitter feed I follow is academic. I don't know about the rest of you fools. But, you know, where I'm just endlessly doom scrolling on Twitter and reading about how crappy 2021 is. Or maybe it's uh, Reddit or Facebook. Whatever your scroll of choice, it has this ability to somehow grab our attention, hold on to it, amaze us, pull us in. And it's not just our generation, right? Like when we go into uh, our parents' house or our grandparents' house or a retirement home, like the TV is always on to either one of two things. Well, three things, MNBC, CNN, or Fox News, right? And they're just, we're just glued to it. And we've got this almost reverence. We're amazed by what we're seeing. And there's something, there's something if we're honest with ourselves, like deeply emotionally and spiritually uh, attractive you know, mysterious about it. Yeah, it's technology, but, it, you know, it also it just, it can, we, I mean, we're just slaves to it in a lot of ways, um, which is, I don't know, amazing to me at least. And so, if, you know, if we would read verse 10, you know, if I were just to tweak a couple of words in verse 10, uh, listen to this, if I were just tweak a couple words, it says this, and Americans paid attention to the media because for a long time they were, it amazed them with its magic. I mean, man, that's like an eerie eerie overlap with where we are today and uh, you know this is not a new observation there's an old book written in 1985 which is like 40 years ago it's called amusing ourselves to death and the author basically says he's anticipating how technology is going to work in our lives and he wrote something amazing he writes this this is 45 years 40 years ago he says Americans no longer need to talk to each other they entertain each other they do not exchange ideas, they exchange images. They do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. That was written 45 years ago. <laughs> and it's like so real with how we operate today. And, and hear what I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not against technology. I'm not against the good things that can come out of it. But what I, what I do want us to think about is that, like Acts 8, there are powerful forces that get our attention, that amaze us, and that we ascribe an almost, like an almost supernatural, magical, emotional, and almost spiritual power to them. And we call them great in a lot of ways. And so the Samaritans were paying attention to the tricks and powers of Simon, and we're not that different. And yet what happens is all of a sudden there's this new gig in town, this new attention thing that, gets it, get, that comes to town. Look back at verse 5. Verse 5, Philip went down, this is our second point, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Verse 6, the crowds with one accord, what did they do? 
They paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard and saw the signs that he did. It's, amazing. it's, it's really interesting here what's going on is, is you know, the time and place, uh, you know, is, is different, but, you know, there's this new thing that's happening uh, that's, that's beginning to catch their attention. It's beginning to, to suck them in. And it's so much so that they get on board. They believe in it. They say, hey, we're on, this, this is actually better. This is a better thing to pay attention to. And, and, they, and, and the, the word for believing, is, uh, it, it means they place their trust in it. And, and we would say in, in modern day terms that they converted to Christianity. And they're even baptized. And even, this is pretty funny, even Simon gets in on it. Look at verse 13. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And this is pretty funny. It says, after seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Which is, I think, it's kind of funny that Luke says this, that the amazer gets amazed. The person who had been doing the amazing, he himself is amazed. And so there's this new power, this new attention that comes into town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people see the power of it. And they're into it. But that's not all, right? Things get more complicated. Um, We see here that Simon is not as changed as maybe we would hope for. Um, in verse 18, look at in verse 18, Simon, he sees that the Holy Spirit, uh, he says, hey man, there's a lot here. We, we could, we could, I could use some of this. I kind of want back some of the old power that I used to have. And so he goes to the apostles and he says, hey, um, can I get this power to amaze back? I, wanna, I kind of wanna, I wanna, I wanna get back to the way things were where I had the power. Can I just give you some money and you guys give me this new power to get attention, this new power to amaze? I'd love to get on board with you guys. Just take some money. And uh, what does this shows us? It, it shows us that I think Simon had not really gotten the point yet. Um, it, it shows us that he basically was only after the power and the prestige that he himself got by the power to amaze people. He, he was not actually interested in what this Christian message that Philip was talking about. He, was, he, was, he did not love the gospel in itself. He loved it for what he saw he could get from it, back to the old power and the attention that he used to get. You know, when a new circus comes to town, he wants in. He wants the attention and the power. And Peter gets that, right? You know, Peter he, he, uh, Peter, he comes down on him pretty hard in verse 20. Look at what Peter says. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. And in the Greek, it's actually a lot stronger than that. The Greek, you know, when, when he, the literal, literally what he's saying here is he's saying to hell with you and your money. He's, he's, I mean, almost literally he's saying, damn you and your money. Because you are so missing the point that you think you can buy God's gift. He says, may your silver perish with you because you think you can obtain the gift of God with money. And we're going to spend a lot of time there in just a bit. But, but what he's saying here is Peter's saying, you're missing the point. You're still operating under the, the idea that, that the goal here is to get attention and power over people. Simon wants to co-opt the Christian message for his own selfish and greedy purposes. And so behind Simon's goal here is an attempt to monetize and manipulate people. He wants to make money and he wants to get power again, like the old days. 
And I want to stop here because I think this is an important point to sit on because this is not something that uh, is, is just happening in Acts 8. This happens a lot today. There are a lot of times when people will do this with the Christian message from all kinds of agendas and angles who will try to use the Christian message for their own purposes. Like the classic example would be like tele-evangelists. You know, if you're in a hotel. I only see this when I'm in hotels and I'll turn on a hotel TV and there'll be some tele-evangelist network and they're just like, if you send us $20 a month, then God will bless you. Something like that. Who are, they're basically hijacking the Christian message for their own goals. Um, but that's not the only place this happens. I think this also happens in some more subtle ways that, that we maybe aren't as aware of. I think this also happens a lot with Instagram, especially with influencers. Um, there was an op-ed that came out a couple of weeks ago in a newspaper, a pretty, a pretty big newspaper, and it was talking about the spirituality of Instagram, right? Hang with me here. And, and it was talking about how basically uh, Instagram influencers are today's tele-evangelists. And the author wrote this. She said, these influencer women are insta-evangelists. Our screens may have shrunk, but we're still drawn to spiritual counsel, especially when it doubles as entertainment. That's what she says. This woman is not a religious person, and yet she recognizes that influencers and social media have a tremendous power, a spiritual power in our lives to both entertain and spiritually counsel us. And that's exactly what Simon is offering. He's offering entertainment and spiritual power. Magic. It's still the same world that we live in as Acts. And, 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 and Peter comes down hard on him. Peter comes down hard on him and he tells Simon, you're perverting the Christian gospel. You're twisting the power of God into something that you can manipulate, that you can monetize. In verse 23, he tells him that you are the gall of bitterness, which is a way of saying um, the deepest part of you is poisonous because this is what you're trying to do. He says the gall of bitterness is basically a way of saying there's poison in the deepest part of you because of this, that you're trying to manipulate and monetize God. And so he says to hell with you and your money. So I, I hope that you see here a little bit of what's going on in this text. What, what this text tells us is that back then in Acts 8, but also in our lives today, there is a battle for our attention. What are the things that we are going to give attention to? The power of the Christian gospel or the power of spirituality plus entertainment? And Luke tells us that the gospel overpowers every time, 10 times out of 10, it's great news and it gets our attention. But there is still a battle for our attention. And that brings us to the third point of how is the gospel better than the magic here? And to get this, we have to return to Simon's rebuke, I mean, to Peter's rebuke of Simon. Look again at verse 20. He says, Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Now, why does Peter come down? so hard on Simon. He says, you're attempting to buy the gift of God. And right here is he's basically saying, he's saying the idea that you can purchase the gift of God, which is God's free grace, God's free, undeserved favor and love for you. That's what the gospel is. That's the gospel that Philip is preaching 
to the Samaritans. He's saying the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's unmerited favor for anyone, man, woman, foreigner, ethnic minority, anyone, that God loves and cares and accepts you when you trust in who he is. He says that the idea that you think that you can purchase that is heretical and anathema to the free gift of God's grace. You don't understand it yet. The gift of salvation, the gift of God's love is nothing that we can earn or buy or control. And it's only something that God gives us. And so Simon the musician went wrong because he never really understood the beauty of the free gift of the gospel. And that, that brings us to, to like the core of the the foundational bedrock of the Christian faith, what we at RUF are about, what Christians ought to be about, which is this, that the gospel that Philip preached is a gospel of God's free gift of the love of Jesus Christ that would freely die for your and my sin and for, for, for undeserved love for you and for me. When we, when we least deserved it, God would love us. And when you start thinking on that, when you start thinking about like undeserved favor, when you start thinking about free grace, all we do is trust in it, that begins to turn heads. That begins to get people's attention. When, when that starts to soak into the core of who you and I are, that begins to get our attention in a way that other things just sort of become less enamoring. Over and over again, the Bible shows us that the most amazing part about the gospel of Christian message is the free gift. No gimmicks, no tricks, no manipulation, no earning it, no controlling it, just trusting in, the, in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul, Philip was preaching when he says when he preached the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Samaritan crowd heard, and they all of a sudden started to think, oh, wow, this is so much more attractive than what that guy's trying to do. I want in on this one. I want to be a part of this message. I want to, I want to give my attention to this. There was something, there is something more lovely and more beautiful and more attractive than all of the magics and the tricks that Simon could conjure. And I, and I think that's true today, even in the things that we give our attention to, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the free gift of undeserved love for you and for me, is more, more attention-getting than the things that we give our attention to. Listen again to this op-ed from, about religion and Instagram. This woman's not a Christian. She's not a Christian, and yet she gets it. She likes this. Listen carefully. She says, instead of helping us to engage with our most important questions... Our screens might be distracting us from them. Might we actually need to go to something like church? Contrary to what it might seem on Instagram, our purpose is not to optimize our one, our, our one wild and precious life. It's time to search for meaning beyond the electric church that keeps us addicted to our phones and alienated from our closest kin. What does she say? Our screens might be distracting us from the most important things. She says, do we actually need to go to something like a church? This woman's not a Christian, and yet she recognizes the deeply spiritual and emotional and attention-getting things that we suck our minds into. And she says, something else 
has to fill that void. Maybe we need something like it. She understands that there's something deeply spiritual about humans, that the, the Bible, and the Bible tells us that, that she's right, that it's the free gift of God's grace, and that's the thing, that as we soak in that, it becomes so lovely, so sweet, so attractive, then that, that's what gets our attention. Our world says one of the best things you can be is entertained. The be- one of the best things you can do, especially in a COVID time, is just, man, just, get enter- just entertain yourself, whatever it takes. And maybe you're here tonight and you're sick of being entertained. Christian or not, you're just tired of being entertained. Let me tell you this. The gospel of the gift of God is the answer, not just to entertain you, but to envelop your heart, to unfold your life into something that meets your deepest longings. The gospel tells us that the best value is to be loved by God and by the free gift of grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. And when that gets your attention, when that gets your attention, all the other things just start to fall away. All the other things, like the Samaritans, it just starts to become less less attractive. When you find the gospel of God's amazing grace, of his unfailing love, more entertaining, more, more than entertaining, more nourishing for your soul, you'll find yourself less grabbed by the other things. And I'm not against technology, but I am saying that there are bigger things that can hold your attention. I'm saying that they distract your attention away from the gospel of a Savior who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Do you revel in that? Do you give that your attention? Do you, what, what do you pay attention to? Let's learn a lesson from this and join me, join us, as we pay attention to the free gift of God's grace. Let me pray for it.